I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Most Haunted City on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons. And I'm Chris Susie. And we have another Q&A for you guys. You guys came through with the questions this week, seriously. Um, Keep asking them. Yes, please ask us any of your ghosty questions that you might have. Um, in the in the Q&A Yep, in the section. Q&A section. It makes my life so much easier, y'all, Amen. to be quite honest. <laughs> so I don't have to dig through all the comments. Definitely ask questions on videos if you feel like you have a question but if you want one that you want for sure to be answered in a Q&A video definitely utilize the Q&A section but with that being said absolutely before we get started I would like to thank some of the new patrons that we have got uh, that we got on uh, Patreon so I want to thank Bad Lil Goth we love her. We she, do love Bad Lil Goth. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank Lauren. I want to thank Chastity Wynn and Penny Boyce. Y'all keep this going. And we really, 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 really appreciate it. Yes. If you would like to become a patron, uh, you get exclusive content. You get videos like literally as soon as JT is done editing them. That's which the first thing I do is I, I upload it to Patreon. You get to see us be goofballs in the Patreon um, video thing. This is true. We don't get to see what it looks like after we record it, so hopefully it looks good to you guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so definitely check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Savannah Underground. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, since this episode is dropping Saturday, that means that last Thursday we dropped our first mobile podcast where we went to uh, Rupert, West Virginia. Um, and the unincorporated area Sam Black, of Greenbrier Sam, County. Sam Black Church. <laughs> yes. Sam Black Church, West Virginia. And uh, we did a podcast on the Greenbrier, uh, the Greenbrier Ghost. Um and that is really awesome. And then this Tuesday, you're going to see our other mobile podcast that we shot in West Virginia, and that is the Lake Shawnee Abandoned Amusement Park. And they're that's a fun one. They're very fun. Yeah, if you want to see JT and I talk about a dead woman next to her grave, definitely check that out. Yeah, who <laughs> wouldn't want that? I know, right? <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get started, everybody. First question, Corey. In Denny asks, hi, JT, you've mentioned believing in God. How do you believe in God and ghosts? I'm also a Christian, but used to believe ghosts were just demons. That's an interesting question. I've actually never been asked a question, so thank you, uh, Corey and Danny. Uh, yes, I do believe in God. Um, I am a Christian. Um, I don't flaunt it, though, everywhere, but, but I, I definitely am, and... Um, you know, to be honest, I, I believed in God more, way longer than I believed in ghosts. And Madison was actually the person who God put in my life to uh, help me understand what spirits and what ghosts are and, you know, that they're energy. And it's almost like, you know, um, a, ghosts are energy of people left over um, on this earth. So maybe their soul could be in heaven while their, um, their, their spirit is here. I definitely believe in demons, like a hundred thousand percent demonic possessions and all of that. And those are not ghosts. Those are things that have never been alive. I think like if you're going from like a Christianity perspective, a lot of people have the misconception that ghosts are demons. Um, even though there are in the Bible, there are plenty of accounts of paranormal experiences with angels, demons, ghosts in general. Um, so 
you know, uh, it's easy for people to just assume anything that's supernatural is evil, but you know, that isn't always the case. So, and I think that, uh, when, when dealing with faith, it really does come down to a lot of conditional things because our interpretation of whatever spirituality there is, is very personal. And it comes down from a line of, uh, tradition, oral traditions, going to church, having all these things. So, you know, it's it's interesting because a lot of people use religion to condemn even other religions, you know, other faiths, even within the Christian, you know, faith, denominations will, will pit each other against each other over what is roughly a question of interpretation, a question of very small but essential interpretations of supernatural ex- existence and higher powers and things like that. So um, it's, it's a question of how exclusively do you want to hold your opinion? Uh, and I don't think there's absolutely, there's nothing wrong with having this strong and, and uh, faithful understanding of the universe and the world around you and how, how things are. But to be open to the idea of all these other races and religions around the world, they are interpreting, hopefully, the idea of this singular God that loves us all, that is coming to us with information. And because of regionality, we have interpreted it a very specific way. I like to believe that God is universal, but we are not. <laughs> As human yeah. beings, we look at things and interpret them through the lens of our culture, through the lens of our experience, and that narrows our view. Um, and that is not to speak out against any one religion or, or, or for another, but to say that each religion is taking information that is above and beyond our comprehension and explaining it in very human terms. So when people are like, I believe in God, so I don't believe in that, the question really is, is your belief in God the interpretation that you were given? And if you looked at other interpretations, could you find those universal truths? You know, yeah. just about every religion on earth has, has a, 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 a philosophy of do unto others as you would have done unto you. Every yeah. single one has a variation of that very concept. And that to me seems like a close approximation of the, of the word of God if everyone heard it. You know, Absolutely. if everyone in the world heard the same message, I was like, well, okay. But, you know, sometimes it's delivered to people differently or, or interpreted differently. But if the message is the same, then I think that might be the voice of God. Sure. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Corey and Denny. Um, that was an awesome question. We appreciate it. All right, next question. Uh, what's your take on the BuzzFeed guys at the Sorrel Weed House, uh, Tear Dark Archimus? So I actually haven't watched the Sorrel Weed House episode yet. Um, I have watched BuzzFeed Unsolved for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think it is, I take it as entertainment value. I don't take what they uh, present as paranormal evidence or even really paranormal investigation because a lot of it is so... um, Disrespectful? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I have other opinions on the ways that they go about their uh, behavior in haunted locations just because sometimes it does lean on the side of like... If imagine if somebody came into your house and laid down in your floor and said, show yourself to me, you would be really annoyed too, because you'd be like, what is happening? Why are you doing that? It's the same way when you go into a haunted location where that is their home. You are going in there and just like antagonizing spirits. So I am a little weary of watching the Sorrel Weed House one just because I am familiar slightly with their spirits and I know how sensitive they can be. Oh, yes. You know, and also the spirits that are in that house are not mean, but they will lash out at you if you disrespect them. So it's like, I I worry about things like that and I don't like misinformation on Savannah Homes. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Okay. 
And uh, yeah, there's, I think at the bottom of, of, of everything uh, is just a general philosophy of mine, which is um, don't be a jerk. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 don't be a jerk. Uh, being a skeptic does not give you the license to be a jerk. It, those become separate things. You can be a skeptic, but if you're an jerk, if you're an jerk. If you're a skeptic, that does that's not. Oh well, I'm using my skepticism to support being a jerk, um, and that kind of is what always gets me. Is people and and it kind of comes on both sides. You know, uh, being a skeptic doesn't give you a license to be a jerk. Being a true believer doesn't give you a license to be a jerk. So people show up in in haunted places and they're very forceful or very asinine. (laughs) And you get this kind of uh, rapport, which is, uh, and in the BuzzFeed situation, what I see is it is an entertainment. It's entertaining. I'm not going to say it's not entertaining, but it is this kind of, well, what do you expect? You know, you show up with a uh, big, I'm going to mock whatever happens, you know, is scenario. That how they, is that how it's treated? Like usually. Well, uh, it, yeah. it, it, it's basically, interesting. in short terms, uh, a person who believes and a person who doesn't. Okay. And, and they lean heavily on, on, on those directions, so they okay. pull against each other. Uh, and again, it's, it's an entertaining like yeah. repartee, they're funny. It's fun, um, but I would not utilize it as a a guide to paranormal. They do go to great places, and they do have uh, the information straight as far as like explaining what the the story is. But when they're in the the, the place themselves, um, it is those two extremes of wild wonder and kind of. Uh, Bitter skepticism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those two combinations, while, again, entertaining to watch, are not overly informative. I think, I think we just all need to respect our ghosts. I think Always. we just need to respect each other. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, dead or not. Yeah, dead or not. Just, <laughs> yeah. just be respectful. Just be respectful. Uh, <laughs> because that's, you know, there's interactions between the two that yeah. are disrespectful. Sure. And hence, you know, again, don't be a jerk. That's yeah. my... Go ahead and say the word jerk into the microphone so, <laughs> so I can, can take jerk, copy it, and place it. Jerk. It's in the Bible. Yeah. Well, well, they mean donkey. So, Spotify yeah. might get at me. They might be like, yo, you said like 15 cuss words in this. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's a three-letter word. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's, 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 true. it's but, true. But no, really. No, goes, jerk. Goes, thank you. Jerk, 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 jerk. But yes, I, um, yeah, that, that's the basis of my problem with that particular show in general and a lot of paranormal shows where they just go in and they treat it like it's a fun house where you can just, the ghosts are on the payroll basically. And they are here at your, I don't think, I don't think a lot of those people believe in ghosts. So, like, I well, think they're all like, I think they're all like, we're definitely not going to capture anything. So we have to be funny or we have to do something ridiculous. Some people are also just ridiculous human beings. And so it's like, <laughs> well, I don't even know, think that that's the case. I think that it's, it's, it's knowing it, it fills a very specific niche, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and again, like I said, it's very entertaining. Kudos to them. For, for what they've created and, and how popular it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have nothing personally against them. It's just, it seems to give people, and, and I've run into many people who use their skepticism as their, sure. um, mm-hmm. uh, as an offensive weapon. And it's like, there's nothing wrong. I, and and I, I embrace skepticism. I, I think that if you go on a ghost hunt, you should have at least one skeptic with you, if not more, simply to keep you grounded. Yeah. Because it's very easy to get swept up by the sensations and by the feelings and by all these other things without a skeptic handy to kind of keep you grounded. You can 
you know, work yourself into a frenzy. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a lot of misinformation too, um, you know, out there about a lot of these places. We actually just experienced that uh, where we, uh, a couple weeks ago, did an episode on Lake Shawnee Abandoned Amusement Park on our other con- uh, podcast called From One to Wicked. And we basically took what, what information was on the internet. We did some heavy research and all of that. And then we actually went there literally a couple days ago to shoot the mobile podcast for the most haunted city on earth and the guy who's running it is like we're not we haven't built this this uh uh, theme park on an indian burial ground that's over there about half a mile over there and i was like huh it's like everyone says that it's that's why all this death and he goes no it's not the native american spirits killing these kids it's you know it's it's human error and i was like Oh, and so I think that a lot of, I think that a lot, like even, I'm not saying that, uh, that the BuzzFeed guys do this or anything like that. I'm just saying that there's a lot of misinformation about, um, ghosts and hauntings out there. And I think that it's important for people, you know, who don't necessarily rely on humor, kind of like us to go there and tell the correct story from the mouth of babes. Yeah. Uh, Well, in the case of the Lake Shawnee, um, abandoned amusement park that was perpetuated by TV. They yep. came up with the narrative that this was built on top of a Native American burial ground to get views yes. because that sounds more f- freaky. Where in reality, they're very respectful to the Native Extremely. American burial ground that is not even on where the amusement park even once stood. Even how it is yeah. now was not originally how it was constructed, but even the way it was originally constructed. No proof that it would you'll have see, ever been on top of bodies. You'll so. see that. You'll see that this Tuesday um, because we're we're clarifying everything about Lake Shawnee in that episode. Mm-hmm. I'm actually we're actually thinking about calling the episode "The Truth About Lake Shawnee Abandoned Amusement Park" because you know Chris, our guide, the, yeah. the one of the owners, he was like he was like like you know if you guys are doing this maybe like tell like i know you're gonna try to uh, he, he thought that we were gonna try to make everything bigger and you know crazier for entertainment and we're like no we're gonna tell the straight story even if it's boring like we're yeah. just gonna tell it yeah. like you know but it is haunted yeah fear not it is haunted it is so. haunted it is haunted like yes it's true um but anyway so that and then one other thing about about that because i have strong opinions on this you know uh trying to uh make things funny and and um even though you should be much more respectful uh the the guy um one of the locals actually stopped by um, uh, to talk to us about the Greenbrier ghost when we were at her grave. And he said that there were people, um, there are people shooting a video doing a seance Ugh. at, at this grave. woman's grave. Oh, and I'm like, you know, that's insane. Like, why would you do a seance at a grave? Do you not know what a portal is? Do you not know what any of that is? You know, they're obviously not paranormal experts. Well, no, but, but it's it's fun for people to go to someone's grave and try to invoke something, you know, and it's... She's yeah, long gone. And the whole purpose <laughs> of, of, of a grave is is to designate an area for respects yeah. and for, you know, the, the whole concept of, you know, um, showing any disrespect at a grave site, you know, any disturbance of a grave site, even this, the idea of the Native American... Burial sure. grounds, you know, the, the the concept that that is just handed down throughout history is do not disturb the dead where they rest. You know, we 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 build plots of land specifically to keep them, you know, yeah. give them a place to be because of a belief structure that has been, you know, absolutely since the beginning of mankind has been this construct of the dead need a place to rest so that they don't bother us, so that they don't, you know, give us pause or trouble, you know. And, and you know, if you wanted to go way back into the idea of we probably bury our loved ones because we don't want them to be, you know, eaten by animals. We don't want, you know, that's, that's fair if you want to go that far back. But our, our rituals that we have built around death clearly dictate that this is their place of rest. Don't bother them at their place of rest. Yeah. Sure. And I think, I think not to harp on this subject, but it's a great question. Um, you know, it's a great question with, uh, with the BuzzFeed guys at the Sorrel Weed House, even if they didn't do a, a bunch of disrespectful stuff. I haven't seen the episode, but what, uh, you know, the- and I, I definitely 
probably came down really hard on that. Uh, I wouldn't say that they were particularly disrespectful in that sense. It's just the thematic yeah, yeah, approach. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and we're going to be in the Swirl Weed House on the thirteenth, uh, filming um, a series episode, uh, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. But it's it's going to be really cool. But do you, um, basically, just just kind of like piggybacking off this question, do you want to tell the listeners slash viewers um, how to be respectful? Like when when visiting a gravesite or when visiting a you know what are some what are some rules you should stick to? Well, um, depends on your belief system because uh, Jewish cultures and religion have totally different belief systems from Christian beliefs and then from pagan beliefs. So take this from with a grain of salt, depending on your personal belief system. Typically what I do when I go to a cemetery is I leave an offering at the uh, grave keeper or the gatekeeper's grave, which is usually the closest grave to the entrance or exit of the cemetery. Leave a little offering for them to say like, hey, I'm not going to do anything disrespectful here. I'm acknowledging you. And then I bring an offering to whoever's grave that I am visiting. So, like, for Zona, I brought coins to put on top of her headstone. But that's why we leave flowers at headstones. People leave rings. They leave trinkets. They leave seashells. It really depends on what you personally feel connected to. I know um, in the Jewish faith, they leave rocks on top of headstones. So... Um, that's just the way to be like respectful. Don't leave trash in a cemetery. If you see trash, pick it up because that is your don't put your don't put your Doritos back. Yeah, it's your responsibility <laughs> to keep it, you know, in order. Uh, don't go traipsing on top of headstones or like fallen headstones or on top of where people are buried if you can help it. Sometimes it can be a little tricky depending on how old it is, but. You know, just maneuver like you would in, like, a, a very respectful manner. If you were going into a really nice house, you're not going to go touching things and moving things or taking things. Please don't take things from cemeteries. Um, don't take offerings. Yeah. So, Chris, anything? Yeah, generally be respectful. Uh, that should be a, a simple guideline of, of, of it all. You know, um, if, you're, if you're hoping to have experiences... Uh, stay open. Don't don't antagonize. Um, usually, antagonistic action gets antagonistic response. Uh, what you put out, you get back. Um, being open gives you a certain amount of authority. It suggests that you will be receptive to whatever happens. Um, whereas, I and and oftentimes. I've noted this before that a lot of times when you see an investigator go into a place and be very antagonistic and get responses uh, from the antagonizing, oftentimes I believe that those people are dealing with the spirits that they themselves have cultivated through a mm -hmm. lifetime of walking around. People are more likely to be haunted than places. We have ghosts that will just attach to us and follow us around. And people who get these responses and their names called and scratches and things like that oftentimes if they have it multiple places it would seem like they're dealing with the same spirit rather than having the same interaction with different spirits in all these places and they're all like oh look i was scratched oh look he called my name things like that when you start seeing patterns like that you're probably not dealing with the ghost of the property or the space but with a ghost that you're carrying around with you. So I strongly suggest just being respectful, just being, and, and by respectful, I just mean, think of it as meeting new people. Yeah. You know, if you just show up and, and see a new person and you're like, what? Come on. It's, it doesn't breed any uh, goodwill. No, <laughs> it doesn't. All right. So that was a that was a long answer from all of us uh, to that one question. Yes. But I love it. We have a lot of opinions. All right. Do you have any River Street Inn stories or experiences? I stayed there in July and definitely had an interesting feeling. Love the podcast. CSU Blett asked that. Thank you, CSU Blett. Is that Hank at the River Street that's, Inn? That's um, Old Harbor Inn. Oh, that's Old Harbor Inn. Yeah. Um, 
River Street Inn, I don't know of like a specific ghost that's like super prominent where they know a name or they've given it a name or anything. It's a lot of residual energy well, is what I remember. Right there, dead center, right? Yeah. yeah. Kind of right in the middle of, it was a high commerce area. It was definitely where, you know, slaves were brought mm-hmm. through. It was definitely where people had highs and lows. You know, River Street is is incredibly haunted. Uh, because it was the the frontier of Savannah, so yeah, I would definitely say that all those buildings <laughs> along yeah. along River Street, uh, along Factors Walk, you're going to find all kinds of residual energies and residual ghosts, but also many individual ghosts. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, not that I'm aware of. There's a specific ghost, but I know people have like reported having, you know, like hearing people walking down the halls, people being in their rooms. Of course, there's always kid ghosts because there's always kid ghosts in Savannah. I actually, this might be the only time that I know of a ghost story that y'all don't. Oh, but I remember. I rem- I'm trying to think of who told me this. It wasn't like a ghost tour uh, that I, because I'm married to a ghost tour, so why would I take one? But um, it, it was it was hearing the 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 haunt was in the River Street Inn. Um, the there was someone screaming like they were being burned alive. Oof. That's what I remember. That's what I remember the story in the 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 river has it ever caught on fire? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of River Street has been on fire one So that that could be, you know, that could be uh something that maybe they Absolutely. experienced, I'm not sure. Well, and Let us know CSU hotels Blatt. being transient places to begin with uh attract a lot. We uh, I talk a lot about homeless ghosts, ghosts that do not have a place to haunt because of significant trauma or anything like that they're just ghosts that mill about ghosts that don't necessarily have a purpose quote-unquote purpose um and when you have a place of high transients people coming and going lots of energies moving lots of excitements in hotels Mm -hmm. lots of intrigues lots of things going on um and i have to imagine that ghosts are kind of voyeuristic so you know the the idea of of a place where people come and go and and have you know all 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 forms you know uh, from from weddings to funerals people have come and stayed in a hotel with all emotions present and all emotions out uh, that is you know excellent ghost bait is that the one next to Huey's yes yes okay that's that so years ago now now it's all coming back to me years ago before I even met you babe um I was at Huey's with my family and we were next to a table and my, my parents started to get into conversation with them and they said that they were staying at the River Street Inn and that they were told that sometimes you can hear people screaming as if they're being burned um and and that they actually heard it um, they thought that they heard it in the middle of the night. Yeah. That's what it was. I believe it. I mean, yeah, River Street, like Chris has said, it's all burned at some point, if not multiple times it's burned. Okay. So, you know, Makes if sense. somebody did get caught inside of that fire, it's very possible, and that's going to leave an impression on the hotel. Especially when you think that it was it was like warehouses and loading areas, so it's possible that multiple people could have been in a building that was on fire. Absolutely. You know, that, that you're now de- talking about the fact that uh, at any given time, there are people loading and unloading those ships and, and putting things into a, a storage. I know that um, just two blocks down uh, is where the... Um, the shrimp factory was, and I remember a, a very similar story to there being stores of cotton there that caught on fire at one time, or you know, and and lots of different tales of just you know horrible working conditions on top of that. Yeah, you know, uh, we just went through a very brutal summer, and mm-hmm. can you imagine no air conditioning, yeah. <laughs> doing hard manual labor? Uh, yeah, there's 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 a lot of. Um, Harsh conditions in, in yeah. Savannah the summers. Yeah. All righty. Great question. Great questions. Seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, all right. I have had five new light bulbs burn out in the past three months. And three of those times I've seen a shadow figure or felt a chill. What do I do? Two strap. Two straps. Roy. Oh, I, I think two, two straps, Troy. Yeah. Ask that. 
All right, two straps, Troy. Well, um, it sounds to me like you have some kind of trickster spirit or like some kind of low energy thing that is trying to get your attention uh, to basically keep itself going. So a lot of times, and we've talked about this, where spirits will use electricity to kind of charge themselves up. So it's really common when spirits are present to have light bulbs go out or things like that or have cell phones not work or your cell phone battery drains out of nowhere. So more than likely, you kind of just need to set a boundary with your ghost of saying like, hey, I know it sounds weird, but like a lot of times just talking to the ghost really does do a lot where you're like, listen, I don't appreciate you burning out my light bulbs or I don't appreciate seeing you or being around you, you can be here, but you need to leave me alone or you need to leave, you know, things like that. A lot of times just being forceful and saying like, this is my house. If you're going to be here, you have to be courteous. Essentially it helps. It really does. Yeah. When you, when you think that one of the primary reasons why a ghost will bother a living person is for that attention. And if you can give it to them freely, then they don't have to work for it. So by addressing them, by, by stating that you acknowledge them, they do not feel the need to present anything to you because you are giving them that attention. Sometimes you might have to do it regularly, you know, on, on, mm-hmm. at, at intervals, just kind of acknowledge their presence so that they don't bother you. Um, I also suggest maybe getting an electrician out to look at your... Your Light fixture, bolts. yeah. <laughs> you know, your fixture might be running at you know a strange voltage. There might be something going on there, or just, maybe just the to spirits. be safe, um, because it's absolutely true that there are so many documented instances where electricity is a common food for spirits. You know, um, I've oftentimes said that one of the reasons why I think theaters are so haunted is because of those high intense lights. You know, banks and banks of them putting out all that electricity. That is, you know, a great source of energy for a ghost. Mm-hmm. And, and you can cultivate ghosts that way, too. Is, is, you know, um, I remember talking to a man who, who believed that if you lived closer to those power converter boxes that you see on, on power lines. You know, like transformers? Transformer boxes. If you live, the closer you live to them, the more likely your house is to be haunted. What? <laughs> you know, uh, it, no it was just uh, you know, one of those wild theories that yeah. come, come up is I've noted wow. that ghosts have more energy yeah. the closer they are to transformer boxes. Yeah. Well, so uh, there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of interesting ways to, to approach it. Um, also, if you're seeing a shadow figure, uh, that's always deeply disconcerting. Um, but not all shadow figures are, you know, harmful entities. Some of them just don't have definition. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some spirits, you know, lose their definition over time simply because they don't know exactly what they were or who they are. And, and over time, maintaining the presence of who they are is difficult. You know, um, I oftentimes think that as spirits go on in time, they sort of lose that notion of who they were. You know, when they're freshly dead, they can show up and they have a lot of the, the attributes of the person. But over time, when no one knows who they are, their definition starts, like even their definition of who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, for a long time, it's like, oh, that's Uncle Rick. I saw Uncle Rick. He was mm-hmm. in the corner. But then a new family moves in. They don't know Uncle Rick. And they say, oh, there's a man. There's a man there. And that diminishes Uncle Rick's features to just being a man. And then soon it's like, there's someone there. Someone's in the room. There's someone here. And, and it starts to diminish more and more. And then it becomes something. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so over time, I think that spirits can lose that definition without reinforcement. And maybe, maybe, maybe it's, it's going to electricity because it doesn't have that definition. It doesn't yeah. have, Absolutely. it's not being Absolutely. charged up by people talking about like Alice Riley over here doesn't right. need yeah. anything. No, Alice no. Riley's like, you know, going around, I'm going to steal your baby just like <laughs> everywhere. And I believe that, you know, there are, there are these shadow figures that once you start talking about yeah. a spirit, they start to try to form 
Yeah. You know, they listen identities. to, yeah, they form yeah. these identities. So, you know, there might be several Alice Rileys by now, yeah. you know, who, who are just wandering aimlessly about because somebody defined them. Somebody looked at them and, and, and you hear these ghost stories and it's like, oh, that's who I am. That's, you know, I, I am this amalgus spirit looking for yeah. definition. And these people are just defining like crazy. And it's like, I will define myself. I will use sure. their definition to to nourish myself we 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 made it we made that tiktok uh we posted that tiktok last last night about the man with the hat oh yeah, yeah. and uh man with the hat and is an everyone example. was like everyone was like commenting some some dude like stitched it and they were all like they're like i've seen the man with the hat and it's like wow it, it's a very common experience very. for people um but yeah that's why i say it's a low like low energy mm -hmm. being shadow people are usually just low energy being i see them pretty frequently they're probably in my opinion one of the more common spirits to see because it's easy for our perception to pick up on shadowy figures because there's not sure. a lot going on to them but yeah feel out the vibe with your shadow <laughs> person absolutely um, you you can usually tell if this is like something uh, malicious pretty quickly but from what it sounds like you're just more frustrated with the right, spirit exactly. so it would so just be just ask them to stop yeah <laughs> they do that they they listen right don't they like, usually like you ask you usually ask usually to, depends on the ghost yeah. yeah or sage right well i don't know i'm, I'm getting it, totally all, out of my <laughs> it's all about um intention Intent, yeah yeah so if you don't believe it's any kind of like sage or cedar or whatever you're using to cleanse works it, it's not going to do what's that what's that you. sage i like is it the blood sage you like dragon's dragon's blood, blood. but that's for a whole different thing you that's don't cleanse fun. with dragon's blood <laughs> but i just like it because it's like red it's cool yeah all right cool Alrighty. let's go on to the next one great Questions. I'm going to say great questions after every single question. Because just a heads up. Just because I'm so excited about how many people are asking great questions. We really appreciate you. Okay. So, Don C underscore Mama in the Holler. Is Mount, or, uh, West Virginia? Yeah, it must yeah. be. It must yeah. be. The Hollers of West Virginia. We were in the Hollers. All righty. All right. So, Don C underscore Mama in the Holler asks, first off, completely obsessed with y'all thank you we're obsessed with you too what experience completely changed your life to know that the paranormal is what you wanted to pursue it's funny i don't know if i have a ghost experience that made me really want to uh, i disagree be interested in paranormal well i mean obviously i was kind of just like thrown into the fire of yeah. ghosts but regardless no like honestly where i started picking up on like wanting to be like a ghost tour guide which is really where my ghost career started I guess was probably when I was like 10 years old and my dad took me to St. Augustine and I'm a history nerd so I pick up on history really quickly and especially when it's paranormal history and he took us there and he was like you're gonna he's like you would be such a good tour guide when you get older because you just like absorb all this information and you just like spew it out at people so it's um uh, I think that was like one of the first times where I was like, yeah, I should be a ghost tour guide one day. And then I did. So I moved to Savannah <laughs> and I became one. And I think we're I all that. I think we're all just naturally obsessed with storytelling. All yeah. three of us tell stories. She's very uh, like performative in her storytelling. You're very theory based and performative. And then I'm usually a pretty visual um, storyteller. So we all kind of have our own way of telling stories. And I think that that's what Brie, I think that plus the interest in dark stuff. Um, so. Yeah, I think that's what what breeds it. But I know Madison, the uh, first ghost story you ever told me when I asked, like, you know, why do you believe in ghosts? You, t you told me about the man that was stand in your doorway well, yeah that's, because it's that, freaky <laughs> yeah no that's that would but that but it happened at such an early age for you yeah. that that was pretty like yo and i was like why don't you call the police there's a man in your doorway and it's not your father call the police and uh, she's like no you don't understand i knew that it wasn't there to hurt me and i knew that it wasn't uh, an inv a home invader it was it was a it was a spirit you can pick up on if it's like that's yeah. not a and person. you're only a couple years old at that point so i think that that oh, you know yeah. there i think that for sure for me it was the little boy down the hall you know the tiktok it's yeah. that we did an episode on it, uh, craziest, probably craziest moment in my life, um, especially when it comes to paranormal, Chris. So, 
When I was six years old, my family moved to Germany, and we lived in Hamburg, Germany, and I made friends really quickly with this kid. Um, I'll call him Dave, because <laughs> I don't want to use his real name. And uh, we, were, we went exploring, and this was the 70s, we're, we're young, uh, but for some reason, very unsupervised. <laughs> and um, we lived on a, a military base, but we were right against, like, and we called it the economy, the, um, the German city. And uh, I would follow Dave anywhere, and I, we would just go, you know, out exploring and, and having a good time, and we came across this dilapidated old house and every place has one of these dilapidated old houses you just look at it and you're like oh that's a haunted house you just know you know you're just standing in front of it and you're like uh yeah that's that's obviously haunted yeah and it had big german signs on it and you know we didn't read german and we're just like obviously those signs say the most haunted house in the entire world so yeah we're looking at it and we're like stay away you know but dave being a more adventurous human being <laughs> decides that he wants to go inside. Oh, and so he starts boy. like rattling on the doors, but they're all nailed shut and, and like trying to pry open the windows. And I'm like, well, darn, we can't get in. Let's go. Why is this the beginning of a Stephen King novel? Okay. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> like, I literally. And so he, he's still, he's like circling the house and he's like, oh, hey, I found a way in. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> so I follow him over and he likes, <laughs> it, he, it's on the ground and it looks like kind of like a shoebox sized window and he has slithered his way into. And now he's inside the house like calling to me. He's like, hey, Chris, come on. And I didn't want to be that kid. You know, uh, I looked up to Dave. He was eight years old and I was six. So he was like, you know, a God. Uh, so <laughs> I followed him. I, I went into the house, but going into the window, I dropped down into the basement. Now I'm in the basement and I cannot reach the window. The window is too high for me to try to get back out the window. And Dave is not in the basement. Bro. And I'm just looking around, and I hear him boom, 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 above my head. And so I'm in the basement of the most haunted house in the world. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to get out of here. So I run up the stairs, and I get to that first floor, and I'm, I'm going around like, Dave, Dave. Can't find him. He's not on the first floor. I hear it upstairs. He's on the second floor. I'm like, oh, great. Now, the first floor was mercilessly dark. The windows were all boarded up, and it was, I was feeling my way around, and the only light that was coming was from the second floor. It was like coming down the staircase, so I was like, oh, I'll just go up where the light is, and Dave is, and everything will be okay. Uh, everything in my body hurt from fear. Fear was actually causing me physical pain. And I remember going up those stairs, and every step... I was thinking, oh, I'm going to die. Every step, because the, the, the stairs were creaking so loudly that I literally thought they were just shouting, oh, he's right here. <laughs> Ghosts, come meet him. <laughs> you know, every step I was taking, I was like, get this kid. Get him now. So I'm up on the second floor, and there are only like two bedrooms, and Dave's not in either. Bro. And I'm just like alone now on the second floor. And the only source of light is coming through a window that wasn't boarded on the second floor. And I entertained the idea of jumping out the window. But I just kind of stood by the window because it was light. And I stayed there until the sunset. Like the street lamps came on and the light from the street lamp was lighting up. And in this house, I started hearing the sound of chains. Like heavy, heavy chains and heavy footfalls. And it sounded like they were on the ceiling. Like there was a ghost on the ceiling walking towards me with heavy chains. And I'm just like, and just when it seemed like the chains were almost over my head, I hear this piercing scream, this high pitched piercing scream. And it's Dave. He comes tearing out of what seems like the wall. He just pops right out in front of me and runs right down towards the stairs. Now, I, I say this all the time. When you're on a ghost hunt or you're out in some very high-tension area, when one person screams, everybody screams. So I'm screaming, and I'm running. I'm running right behind Dave. I'm running. He's running straight down the stairs. He runs straight down the stairs and hits the front door and knocks it off of its hinges. <laughs> 
and he just keeps running. And so I run out the door. I get to the front lawn, and I feel safe. I'm outside. I'm not in the most haunted house anymore. I feel safe. Now, Dave, Dave is still running. You know, he runs all the way home. Now, by this time, the MPs are out looking for us. There's like a family network of people like going down, up and down the streets looking for us. Oh, wow. Um, so I get home. I get into the appropriate amount of trouble for all, all, all the panic I caused. Um, I go back to, you know, the next day is Monday and we go to school. Dave isn't in school. In fact, Dave never comes back to school. I only see Dave once, and it would be three years after this event. Meanwhile, and I'm having... an insane in insane asylum or something? No, he was oh. just at home. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I would go to his house all the time and ask if I could see him, and his mother would always say, no, you know, he's not feeling well. He's, 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 not, he's not well. He's not feeling well. So, um, but every night I had horrible nightmares, horrible nightmares. And they're all kind of the same gist, which was I'd be having a dream, a normal dream, and then there would be a chest of drawers, you know, like a mm -hmm. chest of drawers. And the moment I see the drawers, I feel that pain, that fear pain. Yeah. And I'm drawn to the drawers. I can't not go to the drawers. I always go to the drawers. I always open the drawers, and they're full of <clears throat> viscera, blood and guts and gore. Mm-hmm. Which, as a small child, I had no concept of what the inside of a human being was like. So I'm looking at this just knowing it was revolting, but not knowing what I was looking at. What you were, yeah. Because you think that the inside of you is just red. It is not. There's all kinds of weird colors in your body. And this drawer was just full of them. And the lower the drawers, the more recognizable as humans there are arms and then two heads. Just terrible. And I had this dream every night, and I became an insomniac. And still am an insomniac. I can't really sleep well. And I've never slept well from that moment forward. Not, not really well. Um, I was exhausted as a child. Uh, and when I finally heard that Dave's family was moving away, I went to see him and talk to him. And he tells me, and, you know, it's three years later, uh, the difference between an eight-year-old and eleven-year-old, remarkable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he was unrecognizable to me. I he was just a hollow shell of the kid I knew. I he was so vibrant and so full of life when when we used to hang out, and here he was in his house, very quiet, very withdrawn, and he tells me that when he went into the house, he was drawn to go upstairs. He just felt that he had to go upstairs. And as he kept going, he found a, a small stairwell behind a flap in the wall that led him up into the attic. And when he was in the attic, he saw a man with an ax. And, and, he was, and the man with the ax was like chained, covered in chains. And I was just like, I heard chains. And so we had this moment and then he went. Um, a year later, my family was going to move. I was still having these nightmares. I knew that I had to do something before we left. So I went back to the house. I went back yeah. to the house in the daylight. You know, I just needed to see it, to see if it was real. See, because by this point, it had just become this kind of dream that I had. This weird moment that, that altered everything I understood. And from the moment I went into that house onward... If anybody said something was haunted or if there was a ghost or something, I was there. I went to it because the pain of fear was greater if I didn't know. Not yeah. knowing was worse than – because if somebody said that place is haunted, I'd suddenly get really anxious. Sure. And the only thing that would alleviate the anxiety was to go and walk through it. And so I, you know, six, seven, eight years old would oftentimes like leave the, uh, the, the field trip. Yeah. I would, you know, I was that kid who was like, <laughs> like, we need a leash on this kid. So, um, right before we left, uh, I went to that house and while we were there, um, while we were there, while I was there, there was an old man tending to the lawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the house looks like it, I, if I really pushed hard, it would just fall over. Yeah. 
And the guy sees me standing there looking at the house and he comes over to me and he's, he's like, this house is haunted. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. Uh, and he tells me the story about a family that went into hiding in the attic of this house. And these bad men were going to come and take the family away. And they stayed in the, in the attic. But one day, someone had told the, the bad men where the family was hiding. And so the bad men stormed into the house, went right up into the attic. And what they found when they got into the attic made them pause. Because all they found was the father of the family. It was a father, a wife, and two boys. But only the father was in the attic. And he had this axe. In his panic and in his insanity and in his heartache and break, he murdered his family and chopped them up and hid them under the floorboards in a chest of drawers. Ooh. And and this guy's just telling me the story. And, and in my head, there's like a cool, you know, sensation in my brain. And he says, you know, um, the bad men were so afraid of the father that instead of taking him away, they just chained him to a post in the attic and left him. And he died of dehydration. Oh, my Lord. So this is the story this guy tells me. I have no idea if that's a true story, but what happened was... I never had that nightmare again. When I heard the story, I never needed to wonder. My brain stopped hmm. trying to make sense of these images or these things. And that became my goal. If I could find the story, regardless of, of anything else, if the story can soothe the fear, I could combat it. And so that became my ghost trap. My ghost trap is a ghost story. If I find the story, I can put the ghost in it and close it, and I have it. Otherwise, it plagues me. Otherwise, I become, sure. you know, I, can, I get obsessed. I, I can become obsessive if I don't have a story. And sometimes that story has to be my own. It has to be, I don't know what the yeah. story is, but if I go in and I experience something and I turn that, into, that experience into the story that I tell, then I have, at the very least, something that soothes my anxiety and my fear yeah. about the supernatural Absolutely. two things um that one's going on tiktok yeah. and <laughs> second uh i think that we should get chris on an episode of haunted on Netflix. <laughs> right? <laughs> because I, because that literally was like a haunted episode. Like that Absolutely. whole story. That was a great story, Chris. That Seriously. Is, it is a great story. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, though. Uh, like just hearing that of why you are the way you are. <laughs> no, and not in a bad way. No, but no, no. Like, I, yeah. But... Like, it makes sense why you like to collect these ghost stories. It's Right, because, I, again, evidence has never done it for me. Pictures don't do it for me. I mean, I enjoy them, don't get me wrong. It's just, that's never been my pursuit. My pursuit has never been, well, I got to prove it, or I got I to gotta have the, the evidence, or I have yeah. to have these things. It's always been, can I get an experience that translates into something that I, that I tell somebody else, or that, sure. I, that I understand from beginning to end. So, in my repertoire are a lot of ghost stories that are, you know, that have a beginning and end. Simply for my own sanity. <laughs> sure. For my own Goodness for my gracious. Own and I think that is um, an interesting perspective, too, of, like, everybody perceives how they react to spirits very differently. Um, so there's people like Chris, where it's like ghosts are actually really terrifying, and, you know, that story really soothes things to kind of, like, lock it away into that compartment, and we can reevaluate in a story uh, telling perspective. <laughs> right. And then there are some people like me where I'm just like, cool, that's a ghost, you know? <laughs> and, uh, like, and I think that's just from my desensitize, uh, desensitized perspective sure. of like, I just have had so many ghosts poke and prod at me all the time, you know, where I'm just like, yeah, okay, it's here, you know, or chilling vibing <laughs> so okay. and then there's jt who's just like oh my god it's a ghost it's yeah. a ghosty absolutely so. absolutely um all right so last question 
comes from K.E. Windrow. And they ask, are there any stories about Gracie Watson in Bonaventure? Her story fascinates me for some reason. Yes, that's actually my very first ghost story in Savannah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was like even before I lived in Savannah. Uh, so it predates my Savannah days. And what's interesting is <laughs> it goes with the, the storytelling concept was um, what I had heard, and this was, gosh, the 80s. Uh, I was told that there was this little girl statue. We didn't even have the name. It was just like this little girl statue in mm-hmm. Bonaventure. And it's very lifelike. And it's very, but if you go, especially in the very coldest months, you go uh, into the grave and you go up to her and you touch the statue, it'll be warm to the touch, mm-hmm. like human skin. Oh. And that's, that's, that was like the, ooh, let's, ooh. So, you know, we take the 45-minute drive to Savannah and we come in and we go to Bonaventure. And Bonaventure at night uh, is everything you want a cemetery it's you know these huge canopy of trees and moss and it's you know going down a, a, a virtual labyrinth mm-hmm. of things and, and there was no internet there was no you know and, and so we are we are literally just going blind through the cemetery and we find this little girl statue and it is a beautiful monument it, it but in the glow of the late night, and I want to say it was January, so it was freezing cold, and we see the statue. And I'm with, you know, a little group of friends, and they're all, yeah, yeah, go, 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 go touch, go touch it. Um, because I was the ghosty guy. <laughs> you know, and, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, Chris will do it. Uh, and, and the common misconception has always been that I'm very brave. Um, this is not true. Uh, but uh, I am, I'm compelled uh, so I, I come and I'm, I'm, I, I remember holding my hand out and just like hovering over her face and realizing something. That if I touch her and she's cold, the story ends. I stood there for oh. a long time really weighing this out. It's like I could touch her and if it's warm, then it opens up all these doors. And it's, but if it's cold... It'll, it'll be over. This story will be over for me. And it's kind of a beautiful, sweet story. It's not scary. It's not, you know, uh, it, 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 it's such a small little thing. And I, I remember standing there and I was like, this will be my story. My story will be, I'm not going to touch her. Yeah. So that I can preserve the story. The story. So that it'll, it'll, it will always be, if you go, especially in the coldest nights, and touch that statue, it'll be warm. And since I don't have verification of it, I can still say it, mm-hmm. you know, sure. because it's, it was too much of a gamble for me. I don't want to yeah. lose the story by touching it and have Absolutely. it be cold. And yeah. then, and then what do I do? So it becomes a, yeah, it's Schrodinger's ghost, you know? Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, you should, you should write a book. Mm-hmm. So uh, interestingly enough, I am. Oh, and, uh, cool. And, and one of the reasons why I don't really do a lot of podcasting or, or, or storytelling in media form is because I do have a book that is plotting along <laughs> to, yeah. to completion okay but uh but keep your eyes out uh, yeah. there there there's, I mean, there's I mean, a book if you complete a book we'll be we'll be <laughs> advertising it right here we'll be like bam bam <laughs> there it is yeah but um with gracie watson though i feel like her story has been just so sensationalized that it's it's hard to track the actual paranormal experiences with her because i've heard that instance that people feel the statue well, they put They had to put a gate. Exactly. <laughs> they had to build a gate around it. But then there, I've heard people say, like, her eyes bleed. I'm like, her eyes don't bleed. Mm. Like, what? Her eyes bleed. Yeah, they're, uh, and they're like, she's demonic. And I'm like, her mm. eyes have never bled. What oh, are you talking gosh. about? But honestly, the places <laughs> that I think Gracie Watson has actually been seen is, what it, it's a Regions Bank. Yeah, it's Regions Bank now. On Johnson Square. That was where her house was. And so I've met people who've worked in that building who have said that they've experienced Gracie Watson kind of running around the, the she hallway. She has an account. She does. She has an account at Regions now. because she's. Well, it a- used to be the Piccadilly Cafeteria, a, oh. a restaurant. And yeah, we used to go there all the time. And, and people all, had all kinds of stories. Like the workers mm-hmm. and everybody would talk about, you know, seeing a girl run past them in the line, you know, and, and then... 
there's nothing there. So, uh, and then of course, Johnson Square, famously, they say that she used to wave to yep. people fr- because it was a hotel that her, her family owned and she used to welcome people. And so the belief is that she, for at least a century, there's a lot of documented stories of the little girl who, who waves mm-hmm. to, to people as they come by, which could have just been a little girl. Absolutely. It's a little girl thing to do, to wave to people. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, they ascribe it to Gracie, so I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just kind of like, she's just turned into this legend for Savannah, which, I mean, is totally cool if that is the way it is, you yeah. know. But Regents Bank, that's about all I got for you for, like, things that I know people have experienced yeah. with who they believe is Gracie Watson. So Indeed. But with that being said, ending on a very nice note, love always talking about little Gracie, but <laughs> um, – yeah, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up for this episode. Thank you guys for asking such awesome questions. Um, like I said earlier, if you do have a question that you want answered on the podcast, make sure to use the Q&A button on our TikTok, which is the Savannah Underground. And if you're not already following us, make sure to follow us over there. Also check us out on Instagram at Savannah Underground. We have those special episodes coming out, or actually they should already be out from West Virginia when you guys are watching this. So make sure you go and watch those if you want to be a patron and see all the fun content super early and get the exclusive content. Check us out and consider becoming a patron. So, um, Chris, do you have a ghost tip? Yes. Uh, One of the things that people oftentimes do when they are ghost hunting is come up with a lot of, um, they go straight for the debunking. And debunking, a valuable tool, absolutely, but some people are ignoring aspects of the haunting. Uh, conceptually, if you are in a place and they're like, oh, well, you know, when the wind blows, this, this door rattles or it closes or it does these things, what you have to remember is if a spirit is trying to communicate with you, it does not have a lot of force. So if it's, so the easiest thing to move, if, if the wind can move it, then conceptually, so could the ghost. So don't immediately jump to the fact that you've discovered, oh, this door is loose and the wind blows it and that's what's causing it. You have to couple that with the sensation that the people are having or complaining about. They feel a sensation and then there's this kind of rattling at the door or this you know, uh, closing of the door or opening of the door or whatever it is. If the wind can move it, so can a spirit. Well, there you go. Um, so... With that being said, moral of the story is if the wind can move it, so can a ghost. Um, (laughs) All right, so let's go ahead and wrap things up. So my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all.